Thank you for listening to First Baptist Church of Conway. It's our prayer that this message will be both an encouragement and a challenge to you as you grow in faith. If you missed this week, we hope you'll join us next Sunday at 9 a.m. for Sunday school or 10 a.m. for worship. Now, here's this week's message. Well, good morning. I'm glad to be here with you this morning as we continue our churchwide campaign called Do For One What You Wish You Could Do For Everyone. Uh, this entire campaign is designed for us as a church to take an active role in our community and do good things. Remember the verse we looked at the very first week is Galatians 6, 9 through 10. It's back here on the screen. It says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have an opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So as a church, we went looking for opportunities to do good in the community. We broke it into three categories of giving, serving, and loving. And for and for giving, we took a one week offering, uh, one weekend offering, special offering for Fostering Hope. Fostering Hope is a nonprofit in our community that um, helps the f- people who have uh, children who've just been placed in a foster care, as well as helps the families who've taken those children in. As you know, foster care when when a child is given into the system and and has to go through foster care, a traumatic event has happened in that family, and some. Uh, some way or some form. And so then these foster parents bring them in to try to give them some stability. But unfortunately, a lot of times these children, they don't have their clothes with them. They don't have hygiene products. They don't have toys. And so that's where Fostering Hope comes in. They step up and help them with that, as well as get the parents some things they may need. For instance, the bed or a car seat, whatever they need to take care of that child. And one weekend, we were able to raise $8,179. We should clap for that, church. That's a pretty good, pretty big deal. And along with that, as you saw, we had uh, this half of the stage was full of toys, so much so it had to go into the front pew with toys and clothes. And we just thank you so much for, for doing that. The generosity you showed was amazing. Last week, we talked about serving. And we looked at John 13 and saw how Jesus' followers are to serve because Jesus served others. We learned because he said, just quite frankly, that you and I are not above our master. And if he can serve, then we can serve as well. Jesus humbled himself and did that. And so we learned that when we serve, what we are doing is reflecting the gospel back into our community. Remember when Jesus did his, his task of washing the feet, he, he took that task and did that for his disciples. He was pointing them to the cross. And so when we serve others, we point them back to the cross. The whole point is to show them Jesus, to show them what he has done for them. And so we're partnering with Conway Elementary to serve their needs in three ways they requested. To read, to eat, and to serve. And so as of now, we have 29 people signed up to read to the children. It's pretty impressive. It isn't when 29 people on a Wednesday morning are going to walk into Conway Elementary and say, hey, we're here to read. We have 19 people signed up to eat lunch with the child who's been identified that needs a a positive figure in their life. And so far, we have 32 people signed up to serve at the lunch banquet. We should clap for that. It's a pretty big deal, church. 
And if you weren't here from last week or you don't know what I'm talking about, you can go online and listen to the sermon. It's there. And we also have a Conway Elementary sign-up sheet in your worship guide. If you have decided, you know, you, you've realized that now you want to take part in that, you can go ahead and do that. And so we're excited about this, but we're not done yet. We have one more thing we want to do in the community. One more um, aspect of this campaign is the love part. And just to give you a heads up, this will require the most volunteers. This will require us getting extremely creative. And I mean this when I say this, we need every single person here to help us with this. I gave the challenge of the last ser um, service as well. We're going to need everybody. But before we get into what that is, let's talk about love. Because the whole reason we're doing this outreach is to love. To show them love. And so last week we saw, if you were with us, if not, let me catch up. Last week we looked at John chapter 13. We saw that Jesus just had a few hours before he was headed to the cross. And he chose to spend his last few hours on this earth with his disciples, preparing them for his departure. And at this annual Passover meal, which is a really big holiday to them, Jesus took the position of a servant or a slave and did the task of washing feet. I mean, it was a really big deal, and it was there when he said, hey, if I can do this, you can serve other people. But that wasn't the end of the conversation. He goes on to say this in John 13, 34 to 35. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, that's being love, everyone will know that you are my disciple if you love one another another. You've probably heard that verse before. Perhaps you even have it memorized. But just remember, Jesus didn't say this out of the blue. He wasn't just eating dinner and then all of a sudden said, hey, you know what? I got this great idea. Y'all should love. Let's just continue eating. There was a big deal. And it's probably, well, if we remember that Jesus was Jewish, it'll all make a little bit more sense. Remember the Passover, man, we talked about, let's just remind you, remember the Passover is where they got together annually and celebrated God delivering their nation out of slavery. Do you guys remember that? The Moses, parting water, plagues, have you heard of that before? Okay, more people did in this service than last service, I'm just letting you know, or you're awake, I don't know which one it is. But so, you remember that. So they would get together, as God told them to, and they would celebrate that God had delivered them from slavery. And you remember what happens. Moses takes them from Egypt and they go to Mount Sinai. You remember there? And they're given ten what? Ten commandments, right, and the rest of the law. So it's there. God forms a covenant with them. He says, you will be for me. He says, you'll be this, 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 these people, the kingdom of priests, a holy nation. He makes this covenant with them. And in this covenant, he then gives them the commands and the laws to follow. Remember, a covenant is, is a relationship. It's, it's not a contract, but it's probably the best way for us to understand if you don't know what a covenant is. It's more of a, a relationship, this contract about how God's going to treat and how they need to interact with him. And so because they're in this relationship with him, he then gives them commands or laws on how to behave in it. And so at this meal, this Passover meal, they would eat and drink certain elements to remind them. They're all worked into the tradition. They would eat the bread to remind them on how quickly they had to, the, their ancestors had to leave Egypt. They would drink four cups of wine, each linked to a certain part of the Exodus story. 
And so it's there and at this meal where Jesus takes that bread and he says, now when you eat this, don't think of how you left Egypt. Now think of my body that was broken. It's there where he takes the cup and says, when you drink this, don't, don't think about the Passover events. Think of my blood that was poured out for you. And it's at this meal he then installs a new what? New, new covenant. Remember that? He says, this is the blood of the new covenant. So think about it. Israel left, left um, Egypt, goes to the mountain. God gives them a covenant, gives them a command as well, gives them the Ten Commandments. Here, Jesus says, there's a new way to relate to God, a new covenant, something different, but now it's done in, through my body, through my blood, and wouldn't you know, with there being a new, command, uh, a new covenant, there's also a new command. But this time it's not ten. This time it's one. A new command I give you. Ah, see, it makes sense. That's what he's doing here. He's, he's saying this is a new thing with this new covenant, a new command to love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciple if you love one another. You see, that's our law, if you will. That's our command. And so while the idea of love isn't new to the New Testament, what does Jesus mean by saying this is a new command I give you? Because the Old Testament said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. So what's he mean? Well, the new part is it isn't that we just love. The new part is that we love like he loved. We love as Jesus loved us, which makes it much bigger. It makes it much harder. But it's much more impactful. And so this is simple enough for us to memorize. We all know, and I hear people say all the time, well, I'm supposed to love people. But yet it's hard to put into practice. In fact, if I were to ask you, what is love, what would you say? Is it the chocolate you get on Valentine's Day? Is it just being tolerant of other people? Saying, well, I love them, so I can't say anything, and I don't want to hurt them. I mean, is that what love is? So luckily for us, someone else had the same question. Luckily for us, the same writer, John, answers it for us. So if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and open up to 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. If you don't have your Bible with you, it'll be back here on the screen behind me, and you can follow along. You see, John wrote the gospel. It's called the Gospel of John. And after he wrote that, he then wrote several other letters, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and probably more. But he wrote those to churches helping them understand what he wrote. He's, he's correcting false teachings, and he's clarifying in 1 John what love really is. And you may say, well, Brian, how do you know that John's writing to correct love? I mean, he wrote it like 2,000 years ago. How would you know something like that? Well, check this out. In 1 John, it's five short chapters, takes up about four pages in your Bible, depending on the font, maybe five for some of us, right? It's okay. It's very short, and in this one letter, he uses the word love 43 times. It's not hard to pick up on what he's putting down there, is it? 43 times he repeats himself with the idea of love. But don't worry, we're only going to look at six verses this morning. But if you have the time and you are able, you should read the letter. It's a beautiful letter. It's called 1 John. So here we are, 1 John 4, verse 7. He says, Dear friends... Let us love one another. Now, he said this several times in the letter already. But he says, for love comes from God. 
Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And so John's already told them several times to love, but now he says, here's where the source comes from. The source of love is God. And so since love comes from God, those who know God will therefore love. He clarifies, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Not only is, is God the source of love, but he himself is love. Love flows from his being. You see, love isn't an activity of God. It's not like when they say God judges or God creates or God judges or God rules. It's not an activity. Love is his very essence. It's who he is. Charles Dodd states it this way. He says, but to say God is love implies that all his activity is loving activity. If he creates, he creates in love. If he rules, he rules in love. If he judges, he judges in love. All that he does is the expression of his nature, which is to love. Which means all activities he ever does is loving. Some of us have been taught, or maybe we assume we read the Old Testament, so that's not the same God, or he doesn't seem to love, to which John is refuting and saying, no, 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 anything God has ever done is love. In fact, the only reason why we know what love is is because God loves us. God is love. He is the source of all of it. And why this is important is because many of us, perhaps, I know I do, I have to redefine love all the time. We all grow up and we're taught what's love through our environments, through our parents. We learn what love is and we learn what love isn't. We have siblings. Some of us love our siblings. Some of us don't, right? We are learning how to love all the time as we grow. And then we watch these movies. For instance, anybody seen Cinderella? How many of us were waiting for a Prince Charming, right? I wasn't, by the way, just letting you know. So, but what what does it look like to love? We are so influenced by Hollywood and all of these novels that say this is what it should be. To which John says, no. God is love. He defines what it is. And so if God tells us to love others and he is love, we should get this right. And an important note, we can't transpose this. So saying God is love does not mean love is God. They're not the same thing as scholar scholar Stephen Smalley states. He says, there's a tendency in some modern theologies to transpose the equation. God is love into the reverse, love is God. But this is not a Joannian or biblical idea. As John makes absolutely clear in this passage, the controlling principle of the universe is not an abstract quality of love, but a sovereign, living God who is the source of all love and who, as love, himself loves. And so love isn't just some idea or some feeling that we get to define and we get to say because we think this is how it should be. John is saying, no, 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 God is love, and he's going to explain and show us what then love is. First, he tells us this in verse 9. He says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. So first we see that love is an action. If we are to love like Christ and love the way Jesus did, it's always 
and always followed by action. It's not just something that we say when we feel a certain way. It's not something we say to make people feel better. As a Christian, we can say we've loved when we've then shown them by what we've done. God showed us his love by providing eternal life through Jesus Christ. He did an action. In fact, love isn't just an action. Love is a sacrificial action. He says in verse 10, this is love. I mean, he's clarifying for us. This is it. This is what it looks like. This is it. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So John says, this is love. Well, not that we've loved, meaning you haven't done anything to earn it. You don't, haven't done anything to deserve it. God didn't owe us a thing. And love isn't based on what we do for God. God's love always precedes ours. God's always first. Love is what he does for us. And he says love, the greatest love love is Jesus atoning for our sins. That means that Jesus died in your place. He died in my place. He took our punishment. He took the wrath. He took all of that that we deserve because of our ungodliness, because of our sin, took responsibility for it. Since he writes, says, love, it's on the screen back here, you can follow along. God's love is revealed precisely in sending Jesus, his son, into the world to be the sacrifice that would atone for our sins. Standing at the foot of the cross, gazing on the length to which God's love has gone for us, it is impossible not to sense the power and the possibilities within the love. This is the force that has changed the world and could still change the world if only the followers of Jesus would really come on board with it. The greatest display of love is Jesus dying for us when we were considered enemies with God. He took care of our greatest needs. He took responsibility for what we have done, took it upon his self. And bore all the shame and the guilt and all that comes with that. So you and I can be forgiven. You see, love is sacrificial action. Love is proactive. And this is so important. Love is not tolerance. Love is forgiveness. Is it easier to tolerate or is it easier to forgive? Those of you who have not had to forgive much, I'm going to let you know, it's much easier to tolerate. It's much easier to say, ah, do what you want, I'm not going to mess with you. That's not love. The Bible is very clear. We have sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. There's no ifs, ands, and buts about it. We deserve nothing. But yet he forgives. Yet he takes it upon himself. That is love. This is why we're doing the, this whole entire campaign. If we claim to love our community, then we have to go and do something about that. We can't just say it. Our actions must follow our words. We must, as a church, come together and say, we love our community and here is how. Be sacrificial in loving others. And here's why. John's not done. Verse 11. He said, Dear friends, since God loved us, which we should all just ponder that. I mean, we could sit here for 
forever and just think about that God loves us. The holy God who created it all loves us. We also ought to love one another. He says, no one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us. And his love is made complete in us. Now, this verse is really big, especially if you're familiar with the gospel of John. Let me catch you up just in case you don't have all this memorized. In John chapter 1, the gospel of John, not 1 John, but John chapter 1, verse 18, John says this amazing statement at the beginning. He says, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. So what John is saying is, no one has seen God, But we can know him when we see Jesus. Jesus Jesus has revealed God. Jesus has made God. No, meaning we really didn't get a good picture, but now that we see Jesus, we see God. You following me? And then he says this. No one has ever seen God. Like John, you said that in your last letter. Why are you repeating yourself? He says, no, I'm not done. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, you and I, God lives in us, so now he's made known, and his love is made complete. So God can now be known by our actions. And this makes complete sense when you realize that we are told to be like whom? Like Christ. Remember, Jesus is the answer 85% of the time in church, okay? We are told to be like Jesus. We are told to be his hands and feet. We are told to raise up other people who look like Jesus. And so John is saying, yeah, Jesus made God known. People could see God through Jesus. He's saying, hey, guys, if you love one another, God can be seen by what you do. That's why Jesus says, if you love others, they will know you are my disciples. Love makes God known. You see, God's love should be doing something in us and through us. Constantine Campbell says it like this. He says, the nature of this radical, sacrificial love is effective and effective. That is, we receive it with joyful gratitude. It affects us. And causes us to love others. It affects love. As far as John is concerned, we only truly know God's love if it has not only affected us, but also affected love from us. Thus, if we fail to love, we do not know God. See, we're never called just to be loved. We're told to love. And so bringing all this together, we see a couple of things. We've already talked about them. Just bring them out, that God is love. All of his actions are loving no matter what they may be, even when we don't understand them. And we can see how great his love is by looking at the cross and understanding that while we were sinners, he took responsibility and died for us. The primary way we interpret the cross is through love. That he showed us or demonstrated his love on that cross. But we also see love as sacrificial action. I mean, this will work with your marriages, with your boyfriends and girlfriends, with your mom and dad, your kids. You understand that, right? Sacrificial action, giving up something for their benefit, that is love. That's how it works. Love means we do for others, even if they don't deserve it, even if they haven't earned it. That is hard, isn't it? Let's be honest, it is hard. Love 
is not selfish. It is sacrificial. Love is effective and effective. If you, have, if you claim to be transformed by the love of Jesus Christ, then you will love other people. And our greatest need we see is Jesus. As I've said, while we were sinners, and you know this, but it's very important to remember it and remind ourselves that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He took our place and has provided eternal life through us. He has fixed our sin problem. And so stay with me here. If the Bible says the biggest problem we have is that we are broken and sinners, and that problem has caused us from being, has stopped us from being in a relationship with God who we were created for, if the biggest problem is sin and Jesus has taken that from us, then that means the greatest way we can love others is by pointing them to who saves them, by pointing them to Jesus Christ. If sin is the biggest problem and Jesus is the greatest need, the greatest way to love others is share and tell them or whatever you got to do about Jesus Christ. It's not loving to say, well, you just believe what you believe, I'll believe what I believe. I mean, I get that. But love is saying, no, your need is Jesus. So I want to do, I want to show, I want to help you understand him better. If God's greatest act of love was dying for our sins, being an atoning sacrifice, that's exactly what that means. There's no getting out of that word. An atoning sacrifice, if it's died in the place of our sins, if that is love, then the greatest love we can show is telling people about Jesus who is the atoning sacrifice for their sins. It doesn't get any greater. And so Christ tells his followers to love others as I have loved you. And so as a church, we said, okay, let's come together, let's follow Jesus and actually Follow his commands of loving people. And while we can't do this for everyone, perhaps we can do it for someone. So we're going to do for one what we wish we could do for all of them. And we feel that God has led us this year to partner with the Conway City Police Department in simple and practical ways, and we need your help. For me, here's how I plan to, to lead the way for our church in this effort. I'm going through the paperwork and the process to become a volunteer chaplain for Conway City Police Department. With that, I'm going to be doing ride-alongs with the officers. I'm going to be stopping by and checking on them throughout the week. I'll also be on call for counseling, and if any tragic events should ever take place, they'll call me and I could try to help and, and walk through that. And so I will be right there getting to know, not from a distance, but personally getting to know the police department. And when I tell them that our church, or they hear about First Baptist Church is going to do some things, can you all please make me look good? Please. I will do my best at representing you to them. And then as I tell them, hey, our church is going to do some stuff, please don't make me bake everything. It will not turn out well for anybody. And so here, we've got several ways that you can be a part of it. But before we get to that, one last thing. Just like you. Just like you, I'm busy. I have a full-time job and three little kids. I've yet to meet anybody in our country who said they didn't have enough to do. I find out after you retire, you find even more things to do. So it seems that life is always going to be busy. 
And I understand that. But that's why we talked about this idea of sacrificial love. That if we say we're going to love our community, then it will cause us to sacrifice something. And perhaps time, perhaps time is that thing for you. But I'm not doing this, and I hope you're not either, because I feel like I have to. We're doing this because we believe the gospel is that important. The love of Christ compels me, and I hope compels you, to go do for others. So they may come to know Jesus. They may come to accept and grow in him. And that's why I'm asking you to join us, to help us share and show the gospel of Jesus Christ. To take an active part so you can actually say, when we talk about this stuff next year, I'm doing it. I am involved in showing our community the love of Christ. And for some of us, this may be the first time. But get involved. You will have fun. Because we have come up with several creative ways we're going to do this. And so here's how you can join. If you have that list, you can pull it out and follow it along. If, um, and we just love you to check something because here's what's going on. The police department operates in 24-hour shifts. We probably knew that already, didn't we? So in order to tackle this and all the civilian employees there, we've broken it into six shifts. These are shifts we've created so we can cover everyone. And what we're asking is you, yes, you, not your neighbor, not your mom, you, to join this and be a part of Adopt a Shift. And what we're going to do, and this is where it gets very creative, when, you're, when you sign up to be a part of Adopt a Shift, we're going to assign you to a shift with other people. So it will be a group of you, and you know this already, but let me just remind you, the more of you that volunteer, the more people will have, the less burdensome it will be on everyone. We get that principle, right? Teamwork. Okay. So since all of you are going to sign up, we're going to assign all of you to a shift, and then it's up to your team to think through, how can we show love to the department? And I am completely fine with you being extremely competitive about it. I would love for you to be like, hey, we're going to show up those other groups, and here's what we're going to do. And then the other groups are like, no, we're going to show them up. Here's what we're going to do. I'm good with that. Make it a competition. We've come up with some ways, the minimum things we want to see done, so we make sure that all shifts are covered. Is we're asking that at least we, we bring them food, perhaps once a month, perhaps once a week, once every week. I don't know, but try to be consistent with it. One thing Reggie mentioned, which of course you know is the former uh, Conway City Police Chief, he said they always enjoy food. He said it will not go to waste. Even if you bring too much food for that shift, guess who's coming in next? The next shift. It will always be eaten. So you can drop off cookies or donuts, right? We know about that, right? Yeah, okay, donuts, cookies, snacks, it, lunches. I mean, get creative, have fun. You can bake it, you can buy it. I mean, we just ask that it stays consistent. We also want to do birthday cards slash Christmas cards or encouraging notes. And they're going to give us the names of the people, and we just ask that you send them notes at specific times. Hey, send a note to the spouse saying, hey, thank you for what you do. I mean, I'm sure you understand how many baseball games or how many football games and how many times they don't get to tuck their kids at night because of what they do. So send an encouraging note to the spouse and say thank you, or maybe their kids, and we appreciate it. We appreciate what you do for us. And then we also have prayer support. And, and what we're asking here is if they have a prayer request, 
Maybe you are comfortable with praying, and we know this is going to be very relational, but maybe you feel comfortable actually following up with them. Sometimes prayer requests, we get so many, it's hard to follow up with, with what happens next, but maybe you could be someone on your team who says, hey, I'll follow up with the prayer request. I'll call them and see if they still need it, if there's anything else they, they need. And so that's at least what we want to see done from the adopt a shift, and the more of you who sign up, the better it is. And really, we want to have fun. We want to do great things for them. And if you have this leadership skills to coordinate, send emails, plan, and this is up your alley, will you just identify on that worship guy and say, hey, you know what, I, I, I could probably lead this, uh, one of these groups. I'm, I'm pretty good at that. And so that's what we're asking us to do consistently and everybody to take part because then we're going to do two events as a church for them. We're going to have first a spring event. This will be for all the members of the department, including their families, and probably be on a Saturday for hot dogs and hamburgers. We're going to have that lunch for all of the people who are doing an Adopt-A-Shift. So if you've signed up for it, we'd ask you to come out on that day. And then we ask the police officers and their families to come out. We plan to get some bouncy houses, have some you know, food, and just kind of, I mean, we have a whole, wherever the youth house is, we have a big plot of land over there. We can run around and do all sorts of fun stuff. And so we're going to get together to do that. And then the second one we're going to do is a fall formal event. We plan to do this in October. This will be a special Sunday for them to come. And it'll be a special Sunday near National First Responder Day. And we plan to recognize the department in the service. They said, um, I talked to the chief, he said they like to wear their dress up, you know, uniform every now and again. So to be formal, I might even wear a suit. What do you know? Okay, and we'll have that be a more of a formal event. We'll recognize them for their service and what they do for our community at this time. And we'll also tell them why we're doing this. I plan to tell them all about Jesus and, and, and why we are actually doing this just so it's not lost on anybody. And then directly after this, we plan to have a uh, kind of a formal nice banquet in our fellowship hall for them. Uh, maybe a little fancier, a little nicer for them and their family. And again, this is not for us to eat. We, we, we know how to do that. Homecoming will be around there. We'll take care of that at a different day. But this will be where we serve them, where we get their drinks and we clam up after them and we bring them food, where we really try to model that service that Christ has left us. And so while, especially we saw from the, the, the Conway Elementary, we saw a lot of us really like those events. And I think that's a great thing. But here's what I have to point out about this specific, these two specific events. The events will only work if we are active throughout the year. Because in Conway Elementary School, we're going during their lunch break and setting up lunch. Pretty simple. That's a no-brainer. Of course, I'm going to come by. But we're asking them to come on their off time, the time they don't have to. We're asking them to come and to eat and to be a part of it and let us recognize them. And the chief was very clear. This will only work if they, we are doing constant acts of kindness throughout the year, constantly showing them love, because then they will want to come. Then they want to see, who are these people that are doing these things for us? Then they will take an active thing. So I cannot stress enough that we need everybody to really take part of it. Maybe your part in your group will be baking. I heard some people say, hey, you know what? I'm not that good at cooking, but I have a pretty flexible schedule. I could go, one person said they work, they used to graveyard shift. They volunteer to take all the stuff ever on the late shift. I mean, it, we need all sorts of different groups, some to bake, some to go in there, some of y'all to come in, hopefully the ones that smile a little bit more, you know who you are. Maybe you go drop the food off and really talk to them. So we're going to need everybody to come together. 
And so that's what we're going to do as a church. But individually, he also asked for a couple more things I just want to share with you. Almost done. Is he asked that when you see a police car, especially with the lights are pulled over, he said, will you please pray for them? He says, because you never know what they're facing or what they may face with or wherever they may go. And it doesn't matter if it's Conway or not, but any police officer, just to remember, if you see them going somewhere, can you just say a prayer for them, pray for safety? And he said, also, if you see a police officer walking around or doing some patrols, to go up to him and introduce yourself. Say something like, hey, I'm Brian from First Baptist Church, and I just want to tell you that I appreciate what you do. As you've seen in the news, the police department hasn't been getting a lot of great press. I'm, I'm glad that's died down. But all of that, I mean, it starts to bubble up and people start to worry. And so it would be great if we could just encourage them and thank them for what they do. He said those little things would go a long way. And so will you join us as a church? Will you join us and take part of this? Maybe it'll be the first time you volunteered for anything. That is okay. And remember, we show love because the great love that was shown to us. And the greatest love ever shown was Jesus atoning for our sins. And if you haven't given Jesus Christ your life, I will talk to you after the service as long as you possibly need to help you clearly understand. Jesus tells us to count the cost before we make that choice. So I'd love to talk with you if you haven't done that. But if you are Jesus followers, remember, sacrificial love is the most impactful thing we can ever do. In fact, Jesus says, others will know us, know him. By our love. You see, it's easy to say we love our community. It's a lot harder to actually love a person in the community. And that's what we want to do. We want to do for one, one department or one person, what we wish we could do for all of them. Will you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great love you displayed on the cross. We thank you for taking responsibility for our sin and dying the death that we deserve. Father, how great your love is. I pray that we all cherish your love. And that if anyone here hasn't responded to your great love, that your spirit makes it known to them this morning. And I pray that they have the boldness to step out on faith and commit their life to you this morning. Father, I pray that you go ahead of us in our efforts to the Conway City Police Department. I pray that your spirit prepares the hearts of the officers and the civilians who are working for the department. I pray that we will have an impact on them so that they may know Jesus. Father, you tell us your harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So I pray, Lord, and I ask that you send workers into your fields. And I pray those are us here at this church. Father, I pray you empower us with boldness to set up, set up to this task. But most importantly, Father, I pray that you are glorified in all of our efforts. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.